Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. G'day everyone. I've been asked to answer the question, what does Christmas mean to me? So Christmas means making lots of small talk about how fast the year's gone by. It means trying to figure out how to help your wife with Christmas lunch, even when you don't know, really know how to cook. Um, thank you, fresh prawns and oysters. It most importantly means that God came near to us. One of his names is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That means that the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth, the one true God, our Lord and King, took off his crown, stepped off his throne, humbled himself and became a helpless human being. What an amazing example of humility and what an amazing love Christ has for you and I. I'm now going to read a short Bible passage from Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verses 2 to 7, and it might be up on the screen for you guys to follow along. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So I've been asked to share, what does Christmas mean to me? Firstly, getting the Christmas decorations up as soon as November hits. Anyone else? Um, Baking, catching up with friends and family that we might not have seen in a while. I asked my five-year-old this, and the first thing he said was presents, of course. I probed him a bit more, and he also said Jesus' birthday. Yes, it's about Jesus. He's the reason, the ultimate everlasting gift to us all. Many of us have opened the free gift of Jesus in our lives, but many still haven't, and the gift stays closed. Our call is to share this hope of Christmas, the best gift to those we meet, so they too may come to know Christ. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name of Jesus. I've been asked to answer the question, what does Christmas mean to me? Christmas means too much. It means everything to me. It is when I am reminded of the incarnation of Christ, the coming of God the Son uh, in the fullness of time and fulfilling the full plan of salvation. Uh, I'm just going to read from Matthew chapter 2, 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it draws, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went to their, on their way, and, they, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I've been asked to answer the question, what does Christmas mean to me? So before I became Christian, Christmas was just a time when I would wonder what kind of gifts I can get from other people. But after I became Christian, Christmas has become a reminder to me that the greatest gift that I can ever receive is God himself. Let's read John 1, 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He became as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming to the world. 
He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He, became, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word become flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Thanks to the band for leading us so far as we've sung great carols together. And thanks to those who've um, come up the front to read. Thanks to Nick and to Liz and to Hilary and also Lee Ting who brought us that last reading. Uh, from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. I don't know if you know, but those words in John chapter 1 are perhaps the most famous words that have been ever spoken. They are part of John's gospel, which is the most translated part of the Bible, which, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is the world's best-selling book as well. And these words, those words from John chapter 1, explain to us actually a great mystery. And the mystery is this. Why have we all just spent some time this morning singing praises to a condemned criminal? Why have you cut short a sleep-in on a Sunday morning to join the songs, singing songs here and joining in the songs of millions around the globe during this season to praise a condemned criminal? A man who died under a capital charge. The Jews convicted Jesus of blasphemy the Romans of sedition, and yet this Jesus is the most famous person who has ever lived. He's a figure who has been the foundation of civilizations. He is the one in whose name buildings like the one we sing in today has been founded. He's the figure who has drawn you and me here this morning. And yet consider the man who we've just proclaimed Lord. He was born in a shed laid in a feeding trough, born into abject poverty. He was a refugee for the early years of his life. During his adult years, he was a carpenter, swinging a hammer, working a lathe as his trade. And then one day, about 30 years old, he put down his tools and started preaching, shouting his mouth off in a much derided part of Israel in a mocked northern accent. He started telling stories about the way his movement would change the world. Who did he think he was? And then in his early 30s, he was executed in a way that Romans had devised so that nobody would follow in the footsteps of Jesus of Nazareth. Crucifixion was devised so that anybody seeing the wretched end of that wretched man would run a mile. And yet Jesus is the central figure of human history. It is Christmas in the year 2022. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but to give it its fullest title, it's the year of our Lord, 2022. 2022 years since what? Since him. And he has pioneered what historian Tom Holland has called the most disruptive, the most influential, and the most enduring revolution in human history. Not bad for a kid born in a stable. And so is it possible? How is it possible that we this morning are singing praises to this condemned criminal? 
John chapter 1 gives us the answer. The most famous words ever written concerning the most famous person who ever lived, and they give us the origin story of Jesus. Jesus' life did not begin simply in that manger. Jesus' life did not simply begin in Mary's womb. Jesus' beginning was before the beginning of the world. So John chapter 1, verse 1, take a look. It's coming up on the screen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The biblical vision is not that Jesus invented a religion. The biblical vision is that Jesus invented the universe. Jesus is the Word. The Word made flesh. What do words do? What do words do? Words communicate. Words express. I can tell you something of my heart through words to you. And there is really good news. How do we know God? How do we know the Creator who was there in the beginning? Well, apparently he's always had a word. He's always had a communication, an expression. Everything God wants to say is wrapped up in a person and what a person he is. He's proclaimed in the verses in John chapter 1 as the one who is full of grace and truth. Full of grace, full of truth. And the good news is the God who is really there is entirely and utterly Jesus-like. Isn't that good news? When you think of Jesus, the one to whom we've just sung, when you think of him stooping and serving and suffering and bleeding and dying, do you know who you're seeing? You're seeing God. And you're seeing the kind of God who would stoop and would serve and would suffer and bleed and die for you. A writer once said these words on the screen. Many people visualize a God who sits comfortably on a distant throne, remote, aloof, uninterested and indifferent to the needs of mortals until it may be they can badger him into taking action on their behalf. Such a view is wholly false. The Bible reveals a God who long before it even occurs to man to turn to him while people are still lost in darkness and sunk in sin. He takes the initiative, rises from his throne, lays aside his glory and stoops to seek until he finds them. The biblical vision is that Jesus was there before the world began. The eternal son of the father, full of the Holy Spirit. Which means that we've come, to, we've come from a fountain of light and of life and of love. I don't know what you picture when you visualise God, but the Bible invites us to visualise and picture Jesus. And in particular, him filled with the Holy Spirit, loved by the Father and overflowing with light and life and love. It's good news that Jesus is the word of God because Jesus reveals God himself. But then our reading from John chapter 1 goes on. It's not just about the word, it's also about the world. And we might talk all day and all Christmas about the light and the life and the love of God, but you look at the world I look at. You live in the world that I live in. 
And like me, you see darkness and death and disconnection, don't you? Reminded afresh tragically this week of the events in Queensland. Where has this darkness and death and disconnection come from? The darkness that is that the light shines into. The Bible says that we have turned from light and when you turn from light, where else can you go but darkness? When you turn from life, where else can you go but death? When you turn from love, where else but disconnection? That's the world we live in. A world intended for light and life and love, but a world shot through with darkness and death and disconnection. Of course, at this time of year, we are all about Christmas trees. That's why we have a Christmas tree up the front. Um, I don't know, when did you put up yours? Obviously, um, Liz put hers up like last November. Um, I don't know where you sit with rules around when Christmas trees should go up. Uh, November, 1st of December, a little bit out of Christmas. I don't know. Um, have you got a plastic, who's got a plastic tree? Yeah, we've got a plastic tree. Who's got a real tree? Very good. Who's got a real tree in a pot that's still like, you know, yeah, there you go. Wow, amazing. Um, Let me tell you a bit of a story about a Christmas tree because the story of a Christmas tree is like the story of you and me. This time of year, someone comes along uh, with a big axe, walks into a pine forest, and in the name of Christmas joy, they hack to death a pine tree. They disconnect it from its life source and they sell it to you. You take it home, I don't know how you take it home on a trailer or stick it through the back of the car, and you get the tree into your house um, and it doesn't look dead when it arrives, right? It doesn't look dark or disconnected, does it? It looks vibrant, it looks verdant, it looks alive, it even smells like alpine fresh. And now indoors in your house, you dress it up with decorations, plenty of bling, and you surround it with festivities and family and fun and perhaps some fermented beverages. And then at some point though, the needles start to drop. But that's okay, because you go to the cupboard and you get the Dyson out and you suck them up. And then a few of the branches go a bit brown, but that's okay, you just shift the tinsel somewhere else, right? And you keep celebrating all the while that tree is perishing, perishing. It's a word that appears regularly in John's gospel to describe humanity. We're perishing. We're like a verdant pine tree disconnected from our life source. And although we might look fresh, although we might spray onto ourselves pinot, which has that male alpine fresh kind of scent, we might surround ourselves with fun and food and family and fermented drinks. We might dress ourselves up with all kinds of performances and achievements. But the reality is we're perishing and we live in a world that is perishing. That's not good news, is it? I've thought about the word, Jesus, full of light and life and love. We've thought about the world perishing, full of darkness and death and disconnection. Let me give you, because I'm a preacher, one final W for the morning. The final W is good news. It's the worm. It's the worm. And you're going, what happened? How much eggnog have you had already? No. Any football um, World Cup fans in the room? Any football World Cup fans? Yeah, a few people. There you go. Heard Croatia won this morning. They've got, you know, the second loser's place, number three. Um, We'll see who wins. 
I don't know if you remember back in the early rounds of the World Cup, um, England played Iran and thoroughly destroyed Iran in the process. But a player from England named Jack Grealish came off the bench and he scored the sixth goal in that particular win against Iran. Did anyone see that? Um, after he scored the goal, there was the traditional kind of, you know, celebration of, of scoring the goal. What did he do? He did the, can anyone do it with me? The worm. Come on, do it all. Let's all do it together. Let's do the worm. Can you do the worm, Fletch? Do the Fletch? Yeah, the worm. Everyone, come on, do the worm. Come on, it's Christmas. The worm, yeah. He did the worm. And people in the stadium and, and watching on like everywhere were kind of laughing, like, why did he do the worm? Do you know why he did the worm? There's beautiful videos on YouTube everywhere about why Jack Realish did the worm after he scored that goal. He promised it to a boy named Finley. Finley is a Man City fan and he wrote to Jack Grealish because Jack Grealish plays for Man City and he said, he wrote to Jack Grealish and said, I know your sister, Jack. Your sister has cerebral palsy. I have cerebral palsy, said Finley. I'd like to meet you. Could we meet? Watch, watch the videos. It's beautiful to see the moment when, when Jack and Finley kind of meet together in a training session. Finley says to Jack at this training session, my dad plays football with me in the backyard, but he never lets me win. And Jack Grealish says, why don't I join your team? I bet we'd win then. <laughs> you definitely win with Jack Grealish on your team, right? And then Finley said, when you score your next goal, I want you to do something for me. Jack said anything. Finley said, I want you to do the worm. And Jack said, no, not the worm. All right, I'll do it for you. Jack thought the next time he'd score a goal would be like in a Premier League match, like playing Chelsea or Tottenham Hotspur or something like that. But it wasn't. It was on the biggest stage of all, the World Cup. And Jack Grealish did not forget his promise to Finlay Fisher. He scored that sixth goal and he looked like a fool with the eyes of the world looking upon him. After the game, he was asked in a post-match interview why he did it. And he turned to the camera and he said, that one's for you, Finley," and blew him a kiss. The worm is good news. The worm is good news because in John's gospel, we learn about someone who's been our champion. Somebody who's played a blinder for us, somebody who's joined our team, who's joined Team Earth, a team headed for relegation, a team full of darkness, death, and disconnection. But John's Gospel says that that word who was there in the beginning became flesh, lived among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the only Son, full of grace and truth. Do you know what Jesus has done? He's joined Team Earth. The Son of the Father has become our brother at Christmas. He's joined Team Earth. And he says to all of us, you who have opponents, you who have enemies who always get the better of you, don't you? Just like Finley and never being able to win a match of soccer in his backyard. The Lord Jesus comes and says, I'll team up with you. I'll play a blinder for you. I'll gain the victory for you. 
Do you have darkness? Jesus says, I'll shoulder that darkness with you. Do you have death? I'll experience that death for you. Do you have disconnection from God? I will suffer disconnection from God on the cross for you so that you never have to experience disconnection ever again. Your pain, Jesus says, will be my pain. Your pit, my pit. Your plight, my plight. So who is Jesus? He is the Son of God, the Father, who's come down from glory to be with us in the pit, to be with us in the darkness, to take death and disconnection himself on the cross and say to those of us in darkness, do you want my light? You in death, do you want my life? You in disconnection, do you want my love? And any who turn from the darkness to Jesus instantly get his father as their father, instantly get his spirit as their spirit. You get his victory. And Jesus says, as Jack Grealish said in that post-match interview, this is for you. For you. That's what Isaiah chapter 9 said. To us a child is born. To us a son is given. What a magnificent Christmas gift. Imagine Jesus lying in a manger with a gift tag around his ankle, with the words of John's gospel etched onto that tag, with the words from Isaiah ringing in our ears. What's on the gift tag? From God to you, to me. Have you received the true Christmas gift? To all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Friends, this Christmas, you and I, we are offered the most extraordinary Christmas present. You are offered God the Son to be your champion, to play a blinder for you, with you in the darkness, to give you victory over death, to bring you back to your maker. If you're here this morning and you're not yet trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, can I encourage you to grab a copy of John's Gospel? They're around in the seats you're sitting on, a couple up the back. I'd love you to keep reading on from chapter one, keep going through, and as you do, you will encounter Jesus full of grace and full of truth. And this Christmas, remember, Jesus is for you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that he didn't simply invent a religion, but he invented and created the universe. We remember this morning, Father, that we all have turned our back on you. And yet we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have come for us. We praise you and thank you that Jesus willingly and knowingly and lovingly stepped off that throne into our world to redeem us from the death and darkness and disconnection we face. Thank you that Jesus is full of grace and truth. And Father, I pray that we all afresh this Christmas would unwrap the greatest gift of all, the Lord Jesus, 
and find life and light and love in him. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.